This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. The guest train keeps on a-rolling. Woo, woo. Let's bring in Dean Rule here from the Tulsa world on the Blitz 1170. Don't look at me like that, Matt. I don't know how to feel about that. I know. It was a little lackadaisical, and that's fine. That's fine. That's kind of the day that I'm feeling right now. What's up, Dean? How are you today, ma'am? I'm good, man, and I like the woo-woo. Unlike <laughs> well, I enjoyed yeah. that. Dean will be my new woo-woo guy, for sure, <laughs> here, here on, the, on the Blitz 1170. Um, all right, last night, pretty, um, I, I, I was going to say, in, like, important game. I think in the long term, Dean, a win last night would have clearly helped out much more, but even a loss like that, uh, like that I don't think it's it's it does really anything. They're not to me going to move off the eight nine line because they lose to Kansas at home. It was just another really big opportunity that just got away from the Cowboys last night. Yeah, I agree. I think right now they're they're pretty solidified on that eight nine line. Um, a couple more losses I think could drop them back. I, I I have a hard time imagining them falling down to the bubble again. Um, I guess time will tell on that. But uh, it, it was a weird game because it wasn't the OSU did not look itself. You know, the, the offense was there, but the defense was not. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, it feels like there was a, a big opportunity to make a statement, um, a bigger statement than, than beating Iowa State up in Ames even. Uh, it, it just kind of got squandered a little bit, uh, especially with the – that's probably the most packed I've ever seen gallagher and since I've been on the beat for the past couple of years and you know, the energy was there, the offense was there, the, the defense was not, and it ended up costing them. I think that was the most disappointing thing in listening to Mike Boynton last night was saying that, and he was talking about um, kind of an energy level, and clearly he was talking about the defensive energy and the effort that was on that side of the floor last night. You're right. That was not the same Oklahoma State elite-level top-five caliber of defense that we've seen the entire year. No, it was it was odd, you know, and and to your point about what Mike Boynton said, you know, they, they didn't look. There were plays that they weren't finishing up on. They weren't getting those defensive rebounds. Kansas is great at creating second chance opportunities. Um, it's a huge part of what they do, and and OSU let them get away with it. In, in uh, I guess, in, for lack of a better word, um, when you when you look at that that offense that they had, you know, there were a lot of 50-50 balls that most of them went to Kansas. And, and as a result, you see 40 points in the in the paint for them. You see, you know, 20 fast break points. There was a lot of opportunity that OSU could have jumped on them early, especially down that final stretch of the first half. They could have really put the paddle to the metal, gained a big lead at halftime. And instead they went in with a deficit and Grady Dick took over in the second half for KU. Is that one of those games last night with Avery Anderson in the big what if? Clearly you to say, hey, they could have used him. Well, no kidding, they could have used him. But did we see the first signs and were we lulled to sleep a little bit with the way that they've played since he has announced that he was done for the rest of at least the regular season, more than likely the rest of the year? Um, did we see a true impact on the defensive end with an elite level team like Kansas without Avery on the floor? A hundred percent. You didn't need last night. You didn't need Avery for his scoring ability, and and he's a guy that averages almost twelve points a game. You missed that OSU missed him on the defensive side. I mean, he's the best on-ball defender that 
that uh, that OSU has, and it it showed that they missed him. You know, when you've got John Michael Wright and Bryce Thompson trying to to slow down Grady Dick, that's an that's an opportunity that you probably wanted an Avery Anderson to be at. An opportunity, you know, for him to at something that he's so elite at is his defense, and and not having that, I think, hurt. And I think you're 100 right. You know, we haven't seen the Cowboys struggle without Avery Anderson yet because you've had guys like John Michael Wright step up scoring like he did in, uh, against Iowa State and Bryce Thompson with his scoring against Texas Tech. And, and you know, defensively, it, it meshed well together too. But when you saw what, – what you saw last night, I think, is just the, a prime example of maybe they haven't quite figured out how to move on without Avery Anderson just yet. And that's fine. That's 100% okay. It's, it's going to take time to replace somebody like him, especially his defensive output. Um, and they've still got a couple games before, you know, Big 12s roll around and NCAA tournament rolls around. But it, I, I think that last night showed, hey, let's go back to the drawing board. We haven't quite fixed this just yet. So how much of last night and ultimately, uh, whether you want to consider it a, hey, our goose is cooked type moment or this is not going to end up going well for us, do you put more stock in the way that the first half ended or the way that the second half started? Because it's not like either one was great. Um, I would make the argument, I don't think that either team really played um, quite well towards the end of the first half, but Oklahoma State turned it over four times, sure as heck didn't help. And then to start the second half the way that Kansas did, I mean, not completely put that game out of reach, but that was definitely a, a tone setter to start the second half. 100%, and I think that's the the portion of it that you look at because in the first five minutes of that second half, Grady Dick had 12 points, and OSU as a team had combined for only 10. Um, that's going to that's gonna cause problems right there when, when you've got especially somebody with a hot hand like Grady Dick had last night setting a new career high. You've got to be able to, you know, shut that down, especially if you're going to, you know, rest on the laurels of your defense. Um, you, you know, this is a team that, OSU, uh, going into yesterday, ranked sixth in the country in opponent field goal percentage. They were only letting teams shoot about, I think it was 36.5% from the field on average. Well, Kansas in the in the second half blew that number out of the water. Uh, you know, it, this, this is just the players admitted it after the game. Mike Boynton did too. You know, this was not the typical defensive showing we've become used to seeing with OSU. It's been – that's what's carried them in a lot of these games and – you know, to to see that be the reason that they lose a game is is kind of odd to see because you're not used to it with this with the Cowboys. You know, the thing last night, and I know there were moments. How many times did they pull it back within? I know one point they got it back to five. There was another point that it was back to, I think seven and six, and kind of hovered around that for a little while. Uh, but there were still those little stretches where they would go on these runs where they, they didn't score three minutes here, maybe two minutes there. And even though it was still a game that was within distance at that point, I don't know. I never felt like that in watching them felt comfortable that they would find a way to get over the hump. It just never seemed like that they had enough to be able to do it. And a lot of that is because Dick would have an answer at the other end of the floor almost every single time. Uh, there was one in, in at like six and a half minutes left in the game where Oklahoma State does all this effort to pull it back within single digits, and the next thing Grady's down there, he's hitting another big shot. Wash, rinse, repeat for the Jayhawks last night. 
Yeah, so I think in the final 11 minutes, uh, that that scoring difference fluctuated between KU leading by 11 points and KU leading by 7 points. Uh, so it, it became a game in that final fourth of the of the game. It, it became one of trading baskets. And against a team like Kansas, you can't trade baskets. You can't play. You know, I think I think when we look at Kansas Jayhawk basketball, it is you never want to play the way they want to play because they're so fast, they're so up tempo. The the way that they like to do run their offense and their defense and the, the transition of it, it's so hard to beat. So you don't want to turn it into a game of here's how KU plays basketball. We need to do the same because that just leaves you trading baskets. And that's why you only saw that, you know, oh, if she would pull it within seven and then it's back to 10 and then it's back down to eight, then it's back to 11. That whole trading off, it just doesn't work because you can't gain any traction because that's how Kansas plays basketball. When you, you know, when you, when you choose to play how they do, you're not going to gain much ground. And after even moments this year, mainly because of the conference, how good that it's been, here we are, it's February 15th and, Looky, looky, Kansas is back on top of the standings again in the Big 12. Maybe, who knows whether it's for good or for not, but still, here they come one more time. You can almost count on it every single year. Yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's, it's the definition of consistency, I think, in, in college basketball then. And, I mean, even look, Kentucky's having an off year. Kansas really doesn't run into too many of those. No, they don't at all, even in the best ba- – Kentucky has it happen from time to time in a meh, sometimes worse than meh type basketball league in the SEC. Kansas, in a league that is consistently good, maybe some years better than the others, never really has that at all. I think it's something to be said for for the longevity. Also, just how awesome that Bill Self really is um, at his job. So off to TCU and Fort Worth goes Oklahoma State. Um we were discussing the games that they have left. I, for instance, feel like that they're in, Dean, but my opinion doesn't necessarily mean anything. In their four what road games that they have left, TCU, West Virginia, Texas Tech, that's there. Um, I, I think they have another road game that's there. Maybe not. But, I, I mean, do we have to put a number on this, on what Oklahoma State is still looking for in terms of wins to really feel comfortable about what postseason looks like? I think so. There's we're looking at five more games left in in the regular season when when we talk about OSU and that's yeah those three road games you brought up and then home games that's against right Kansas State Kansas State's Baylor. at home that's right yep um and so when I look at that I think if you if if OSU wins the games they're supposed to win they're in and I think when you look at the that schedule I think if you win West Virginia and Texas Tech you're in. I think there's a lot of room and opportunity still for OSU to, to get some important, you know, some, some resume builders. If you go into Fort Worth and you beat TCU, that's big. Kansas State dropped the past two games to, you know, basement teams in the Big 12 with uh, losses to Texas Tech and OU back-to-back. So we'll see where we're, we're there at in, in a week. But the game I have circled on, on my calendar, because I just think it's going to be – a massive game uh, is going to be when when OSU hosts Baylor. I think that's going to be huge. If they win that, well, I, I think you know you might even be talking about a seven seed. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think that that's, that's clearly within their possibility for sure with some of these big-time opportunities coming up. Dean, appreciate you. Thanks, man, for uh, jumping on with us this afternoon. We'll uh, do it again sure, uh, soon for sure. And uh, you will always be my woo-woo guy right here on the Blitz 1170. Hey, woo-woo. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that is so yuck. It bothers me to my core, but I'm going to continue to roll with it. Mainly because I know it bothers you, Matt, and it bothers Steve Braun. That's I'll I'll keep hammering it into the ground as long as I know it bothers you, dude. Too. And what makes it even worse is I know next time I see him, he's just gonna look at me and he's woo, gonna woo. go woo woo. <laughs> woo, woo. Like, first time I see Dean in like it might be like a month from now. I might go to the OSU Baylor game, and he's just gonna hit me with woo woo. By the way, I was gonna ask Steve Braun if he would. Uh, Photoshop your head on someone's body that's in that photo from LeBron James passing <laughs> Kareem of someone holding up their phone. Nah, put and, me on and Phil Knight. Picture. Put me on Phil Knight. No, no, you can't go on Phil Knight at all. But your your head on someone's body there would be absolutely perfect with Dan right next to you holding a phone, <laughs> and and Dan. I think what I learned last night about Dan, Dan doesn't understand emoji language at all. Wait, really? No, I don't think that he does. Because Dan, as I was leaving here yesterday, Dan sent me a message. And he goes, oh, hey, by the way, me taking pictures at a stadium is not the same thing. I would not take a picture in the moment of LeBron making the points record. Yes, you would, Dan. I'd rather watch it than just take a photo of the stadium after. And I was like, Dan, it is the same thing. It's drawing attention to yourself and also showing other people what your experiences are. It's what, what social media is made for. It's the same reason that you post photos of the stadiums that you go to. It's the same reason you post about, oh, it's my first ever trip here, and you ultimately get something free out of it. So he continues on. He was like, I agree with you on that, but I'm not that guy. I've never taken a photo of live sporting events. Never, ever in your life. I've en I enjoyed and watched the games. I go, you would in that moment with those seats. And he tries to make a joke about illegal content. And so I sent him the emoji, Matt, the smiley face that just has the straight line across the mouth, which yeah. is just basically saying, like, I have nothing to say or, like, really – and Dan follows up with gotcha. I don't even know what that, like, does Dan think that I'm mad at him because I sent him the straight mouth emoji? Uh-huh. You two are the strangest creatures I've ever run across in my entire life. Yes, I don't know. I'm lumping you in with that. Really? Yeah. I think you are. As a matter of fact, if I could get Steve to Photoshop both of your heads on the Step Brothers poster, I think that would be absolutely perfect. Even though those two guys are funny, I don't. Oh, I'm not funny. <laughs> I was like, mm, that's All right. debatable. All right, it's two nineteen. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back with more next year on the Blitz eleven seventy. Don't forget, Eli Letterman's coming up at the bottom of the hour here on the Blitz. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz eleven seventy podcast from Bravado Wireless.